everyone, and welcome to this episode of Capital Chats. I'm Michelle Johnson, your host, and we are joined by IASB's government relations team, lobbyist Emily Piper, and government relations director Phil Jennery today. And they are here to give us a rundown on where the most important education bills stand after the legislature's second funnel deadline last week. So before we dive into the specifics of legislation, let's set the stage for where we're at in the legislative session. We've already had one funnel week this year, which meant a bill had to pass a committee in one chamber. So Phil, what does it mean if a bill has survived this second funnel? Yeah, so the second funnel uh, states that a bill must pass a chamber and a committee in the other chamber in order to uh, remain alive for the session. So for example, if an education bill is introduced in the House, it must pass the full House and then pass the Senate Education Committee. There are, however, two exemption or two exceptions for this. Uh, the appropriations and ways and means bills are considered funnel proof. So even though they might not have passed a, a chamber or, or the full committee yet, those two committees are exempt from, from the funnel process. So Emily, what were we excited to see survive this funnel deadline and still have a chance at becoming law? Michelle, there are five bills that have survived the funnel that we're really excited and hope that they move forward. The first one is our um, streamlined alternative licensure for teachers. It's an, an effort to address the shortage in, in our teacher workforce. That bill is alive in the Senate, and it includes some changes in the Teach Iowa Scholar program to make it more flexible. That's a loan repayment program that teachers can use if they agree to teach in an Iowa school for five years. It includes the streamlined alternative, which is a one-year pathway for people who are maybe making a, a career change in midlife. And then the last thing that that bill includes is the ability for school districts to use the management levy for teacher recruitment. Those are really exciting, and we're hoping and we are hoping that that continues to move forward. Because the second thing that um, we're excited about is a fix from a, a an unintentional problem last year with operational sharing. When they expanded the number of positions that were eligible, the bill actually reduced the waiting for superintendents. And so that bill is correcting that problem. But in addition, it's also providing a little more flexibility to districts. For instance, a district under this bill would be able to share a special education director with an AEA, even if that person wasn't serving as a special education director for the AEA. So that's going to give our districts a lot more opportunities and flexibility. Number three, and this has been a unanimous thing um, with all of the education groups and the teacher prep programs, is a bill that will eliminate the requirement that a teacher pass the praxis in order to be fully licensed. We know that that has been an impediment, particularly for our diversity teacher candidates, so we're very excited to see that bill moving forward. There's a second bill, Teach Iowa Scholar Loan Repayment Program, that is a little bit different than the Senate version. This is a House bill that remained alive. And that does a couple of things. It eliminates the requirement that you've graduated in the top 25% of your class. It just says anyone who graduated a teacher prep program should be eligible for this loan repayment. And number two, it eliminates the requirement that you serve in a high need area. Let's be honest, every area in teaching right now is high need. And so this makes that program more flexible. The last bill is a bill that we brought forward and it's an, I call it our education omnibus bill. This bill um, has a number of, of minor things, but important to school districts. For instance, electronic signatures on contracts, bringing us into the 21st century. It eliminates the requirement that a district has to have a public hearing if they're refinancing their saved bonds. It allows districts to accept bonds 
bids electronically. And finally, it creates a work group that will um, take a look at the existing health mandates that are on and training requirements that are on uh, school employees and see if there's a way we can better restructure those so that it's not such a burden. So we're really excited about seeing those, those five bills continue to move forward. So on the flip side of that, what bills were we glad to see die and not make it any further in the process this year? Well, I think there's two bills that we were very happy to see die. Um, one bill was in the House, and it would have established a, a program that allowed somebody to become a teacher in less in about three months by taking an online course, um, never actually setting foot in the classroom. While we appreciated the intent, that is just that is too much of a, a lowering of the training and requirements we think need we need for quality teachers. The second one is the Medical Privacy Act, and that impacted schools because it didn't allow us to ask for any kind of health records or keep those health records. So we couldn't, we wouldn't be able to verify vaccination status, which is required under state law to attend school. We wouldn't have been able to ask for a birth certificate or anything to verify their age, which is important. So those two bills died. Technically, a couple of other bills died that are still going to probably resurface elsewhere. One of those is the Parental Bill of Rights. We have some concerns, not with the fact that parents have rights, but just with some of the language and how it might be interpreted and applied. So at least at the short term, that's dead, but I expect it to resurface. So Phil, were there any bills that IASB supported that unfortunately did not make it through the second funnel? Yeah, sure. So there's always usually a couple of bills that don't make it uh, through the process. And one of those bills, uh, Emily kind of touched on, but there we sort of had uh, some companion bills going through. One was that uh, streamlined teacher prep program, where, as Emily had previously talked about, that's sort of in a teacher omnibus bill in the Senate, but the House version of that bill, unfortunately, did not uh, make it. And then there was a, a task force or a, a bill to, to have the DE create a workforce uh, work group to look at disparities in academic performance for students. You know, you know we know that COVID really highlighted uh, learning disparities and, you know, for schools to be able to fix those issues, you know, they, they need to know uh, what those are. That uh, unfortunately did not make it past the funnel. But, you know, I think overall, most of the bills that we have been working on since uh, the first funnel deadline have uh, uh, made it. And, you know, now the work kind really turns to making sure that the bills that we support uh, get passed, but then also working to fix bills that may have made it past the funnel deadline. But, you know, there's still some some things that, that need to be worked out. And, uh, you know, we are continuing to have those conversations. You know, I'm, I'm uh, thinking of the uh, a curriculum bill uh, where, you know, schools would have to post, you know, teachers would have to post all, all the curriculum and, and that type of thing. You know, we've had continuing ongoing conversations with legislators about how to make that workable uh, for schools, but then also workable for the, the legislature as well. So while some of those bills uh, uh, you know, made it past the funnel, we will be continuing to, to work out the, the details with that to make it workable for schools. So IESB, our education partners, and all of you have been working very hard this session to prevent a voucher bill from passing. So Emily, where does this year's voucher bill stand and what are its prospects as we move closer to the end of session? So Michelle, technically both voucher bills are still alive. They're actually larger than voucher bills. They're the governor's education omnibus bill, which includes the transparency provisions that Phil just referenced, as well as um, a few other things. But our biggest concern, obviously, is the voucher. The Senate has passed the um, governor's education omnibus bill out of appropriations, and it is ready for floor debate. 
The House has a bill in appropriations. So again, technically funnel proof, but they don't have the votes to bring it out of committee. So where it stands right now is the House is continuing to stand pretty solid against vouchers. And so I think that the, the decision point for the Senate is going to be, what do they do? Do they bring this bill to the floor as in its entirety as it is, force a vote on vouchers, knowing that nothing's going to happen in the House? Or do they begin to break it apart like the House did earlier this year into some separate pieces to move some of the other provisions that aren't nearly as controversial? My gut tells me that the Senate will take that approach. And what we'll see happen is the transparency provisions that would require posting of curriculum and syllabuses and uh, lesson plans, et cetera, will be replaced with Senator Sinclair's parental bill of rights, which I referenced earlier. And again, we don't have a, a, a big problem with that. It's just, let's, there's a couple of minor details that I think could be improved. And then they will maybe pull out the open enrollment and um, social studies provisions and such. The House is going to continue to move, at the very least, its transparency bill, which they re-referred to the House Appropriations Committee in an effort to keep that bill alive uh, for further considerations. So at this point, I am cautiously optimistic that there's very little that could happen that would bring vouchers to a vote on the House floor. We love cautious optimism. Thank you for that update. So what should school board members focus their advocacy and attention on now that the legislature has significantly narrowed their focus? That's a good point to mention that. And, you know, there are uh, several bills here that are still in the works that I think that our board members and and superintendents can really push for. You know, I, I would really focus the attention on the teacher bills. I mean, that has been a really big priority for, for legislators this year is to try and get more people into the classroom. And, you know, that's been an overall uh, theme for, for the legislature is just workforce in general. And so, you know, we've outlined several of those bills in the advocacy newsletter that we sent out last week. And so, you know, and you know, we touched on those before uh, the bill that uh, eliminates the praxis test. There's another bill that expands uh, the, the Teach Iowa Scholar program and one-year streamlined uh, teacher prep program. So th- those bills are out there uh, to help try and get more people into the classroom. Kind of second one I talk about, the House passed a bill which would give schools an, an additional one-time appropriation of $19 million to help schools with inflationary costs. That's over in the Senate. My guess is, is that's going to be something that, you know, it's pr- probably a, a last week, a decision between both chambers. We've heard some discussions that the House wants to give schools some money for, for additional teacher bonuses and that type of thing. So, you know, there's kind of stuff going on uh, that, that everyone's trying to figure out. But I think the legislature sees the need with all the inflationary costs uh, going up that schools need some additional money to, to help offset those costs. So I, I talk about that. As Emily mentioned, you know, we have our uh, school board uh, flexibility bill. But again, while I don't think, as Emily mentioned, you know, vouchers don't seem to have necessarily the support in the house to move, you know, I would just kind of keep aware of that, you know, we're obviously going to keep our ear to the ground on that. But I think overall, you know, just make sure that you're keeping in in contact with your your legislators, invite them into your schools, kind of walk through some of these issues and say, you know, you know, this is what it really means to us. You know, if we have to do this, 
uh, this is what we're going to have to do. You know, there's going to be additional costs. You know, teachers are going are to have to do all these additional steps and that's less planning time. That's less working with students and, and all those types of things. But then again, make sure that when they do do something that that's positive for schools, make sure that you are also thanking them as well, because, you know, there's a lot of things going on that, that, that we're trying to stop. And when they do agree with, with what you're telling them to do, uh, make sure to tell them thank you. So we have allegedly until April 19th, which is the scheduled last day of the legislative session to advocate with those legislators. So Emily, what has to happen before they can adjourn on that day? I mean, the major thing that has to happen is the budget. Obviously, they have to finalize the budget for the upcoming fiscal year. The House has begun moving budget bills. The Senate hasn't shown any action yet, and they haven't actually agreed on the spending levels between the two chambers, although I know a lot of work is going on behind the scenes. So the budget is the number one thing that has to be concluded. But we also still have a number of the governor's major priorities that she announced in her state of the state address that haven't been resolved. Things like the biofuels mandate, her education omnibus bill, which while vouchers is part of that, there are other things in there that she wants that haven't been resolved. We have the, you know, the tort reform and unemployment compensation, unemployment provision reforms that are also still out there that need to be worked out between the two chambers. So from that standpoint, those are some pretty major policy issues that they still have to work through. So do you have any bets on if they'll get done on time, maybe even early, or are we going late this year? If I had to guess, we'll be done um, the week prior to the 19th. And the only reason I say that is the, the weekend before the 19th is, is the weekend of Easter. And legislators usually go home, don't come back in on Easter Monday. So my guess is, is if they can't finish that week, they will probably have to come back. But I, I think everyone believes it will be done earlier than the 19th. Good to know. Thank you to Phil and Emily for joining us after another long week in the legislature. So you can read full bill summaries, other important updates, and then find ways to get involved on our Advocacy and Action page on the ISB website. And as always, thank you for everything you do to advocate for public education. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.